to do it tighten it up Mm -hmm. so james i kind of wanted to start this one just because like we don't get like kind of serious very often but i have an actual question for you Mm -hmm. i've been asking a lot of people that are you know a few years older than me and such because i like i'm no stranger to hard times Mm -hmm. but does it kind of feel like it's worse than it has ever been right now um yes and no there's no easy answer for this because it's a very layered and difficult question. Um, traditionally, it's by nature on a daily basis, always good and always bad. And it's our perception of what that is at that moment. So cyclically, since I've been around, so I was born in 67, right? Watched Wrong. Viet- <laughs> Try again. Watched the Vietnam War on TV. I had family members that died from, you know, complications of Agent Orange. I've had, uh, you, how many, I've been through high, three or four recessions. I've been through the gas crises. I've been through all of it. And I've noticed now that I'm becoming more and more aware of things outside of, you know, just me, I find that it's very cyclical and um, prone to, like the the all the negative things have always been going on. Oh yeah, absolutely. But our a our ability to know that they're happening has been increased greatly. Okay. And at, on the same token, though, diminished greatly due to mm-hmm. there seemingly being two different worlds. Well, exactly. We now, in. now getting back to that's actually getting back to my my basic point of our perception at that moment. Yes. Traditionally. Our perception is based like a lot of the fear that we see and a lot of the fear mongering, like right now with all that, that shit in National Guard in Texas, all that other stuff, mm. it's politicized. National Guard's not new in Texas. These issues aren't new in Texas. The no. general public's knowledge of what's happening there is new. But again, this is cyclical. It's always been happening. Um, so I would say that is it bad now? Yes and no. Because we, politically, it's shitty. Yeah. But on a day-to-day basis for a great number of people, it's better than it's ever been. For social freedoms, for the ability to walk down the street without getting your ass kicked just because of how you're dressed. See, I don't um, know, because like, I've been thinking about it, and I'm not an old man. Like I'm mm-hmm. 38. Yeah. But I'm not like new at this adult thing. Right. And I'm you know still working a 40-hour-a-week job. Like... I feel like we're making more money than I ever have and still struggling harder than I ever have. And that's what, like, I don't understand. I've never felt it be this bad in this country oh. where everything feels like it. Like, if you heard that, in like, a literal war broke out somewhere in this country, you would you another, be surprised uh, whatsoever? No. But I wouldn't have been surprised in 1978. I wouldn't have been surprised in 1985. I wouldn't have been surprised in in late 90s. I wouldn't have been surprised in mid-20s. But did it ever feel as realistic? Yes. Okay. Yes, because, um, again, the age gap, the things that you've read, you read in the papers or, you know, read about history from times from before you. Let's say, just say early 80s. Yeah, I I know a lot about Nixon, but I wasn't 
around mm-hmm. and cognizant. Right. And Nixon was even, oddly, you know, if you think about how old I was when that happened, it was a big to-do for the older folks. I don't know what the fuck they were talking about. Right. You know, I only knew the jokes on the TV and the laughing and whatnot. You know, I didn't know. Um, but when I started becoming aware of politics, um, it was a very, very quick and abrupt, like, indoctrination, agitprop, fucking blah. Right. You know, as only a young man, you know, a young man could do. And I used to get made fun of, for, like, even, like, in the punk scene. Everybody was really extreme, and I was centrist. And, you know, I was just, like, right there. I'm like, hey, social programs are good because, you know, community is good. You know, but they wanted, you know, they wanted, they, they wanted me to go left, 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 you know? Yeah, and while I may, you know, be but, progressive and believe yeah. in progressive causes... Super lefties are just as annoying. Oh, just fucking horrible. Just as fucking horrible. But that's neither here nor there. The, um, the reality is a lot of it was racial based. Like when, when I was, like, you know, there's racial issues now. Yes. There will always be because people want to be, you know, that's a way to um, attain power is to make others different. It's yeah. just and how the fuck it is. That's not a uniquely American thing either. Right. Racism not is not even close. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was as far as on the streets. And in day-to-day, racism was fucking big, big things. And um, hate groups were coming up hard. So when I was seeing that, you know, and then we were worried about, like, in the 80s, I was worried about AIDS. AIDS just came out. We didn't know fucking thing about it. Just right about the time I was, right about the age to get laid, guess what came out? Right. AIDS. We had that, you fucking, you know, you fuck, you die. We don't know what's going on. And it wasn't, you know, earlier. And the government doesn't give a shit. Yep. And, um, Until a young white boy died. But gang shit was fucking harsh. Crack was kicking the fuck off. It was a hellscape. Guess what it is now? Still a hellscape, but what they do is they just move the neighborhoods. This area was a hellscape. Now it's fucking gentrified. You know, they pushed, uh, they um, closed down the projects and did scattered sites, so the gangs moved to the suburbs. <laughs> right. You know, it, it, but it's... Again, it's always been this bad. But you missed out on the... Like, when I was coming up, we thought that maybe we could do like our parents and work hard, get our 20 in and retire and do whatever. And then about all of a sudden we realized we couldn't. And it's like, fuck, you know, I'm busting my ass and I'm barely making it. Well, I've done that for 25 years, 30 years, 40 years. Yeah. So I've always just scraped by managed to just just kind of push up a little bit every time. But it's never been good. It's never been right. It's just um, sometimes you notice it more and sometimes you notice it less, but it's always there. Because I've, like, there's always been a feeling of kind of like hopelessness that, you know, you feel as just a regular shitty American. Mm-hmm. But it's never quite felt quite this dire oh we're like i don't know there's just something about this that like there no outcome seems like it will end up good well you know but then again you're right it never has the idea of voting for me is because we only have a two-party system there's very very difficult to vote for let's say workers rights let's say you know i want to hang my hat on workers rights there's no specific, it used to be, well, this Democrat was the working man's party and the Republicans were the, you know, but there, there's no way for me to do that. So the only way that I can vote at this point in my life, or I've always, always voted, was 
locally and very specifically i you know i'm looking for the person who does the least harm to me and my community right the least harm that's the best i can hope for because as far as like the big show uh, presidentially we can support one candidate who supports genocide or we can support another candidate who pretty much supports genocide well Supports the idea of genocide as opposed to our current president who is actively supporting genocide, which is a very strange turn of events. And, and here's what bothers me. And I've, uh, I was, my father put it into my head. He says, you're lucky enough to have been born here. You fucking vote. I voted locally, voted, you know, uh, ward politics in Chicago. I always voted because it's not whoever ends up running for president is, I don't know, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but there's enough money and power that there's some fuckery there. Oh, always. Okay? Without question. So that's not a conspiracy. That's just fucking what happens when there's a lot of money in one spot. Mm-hmm. Boom. What, Again, always has, uh, always will. But where the um, 90% of the power, <laughs> so much of the power lies is in, in the Senate and the House of Representatives, all those things, you know? So your voting for that is much more important than who you pick for your... Uh, figurehead figurehead yeah you know so and I, I that's where a lot i feel like a lot of the younger people are missing the point they'll vote for the president because they don't want this motherfucker or that motherfucker in okay that's when you see the kids come out and vote they don't realize that if they would have voted from the time they were 18 on on matters that mattered to them on candidates that mattered to them that by the time they got to 30 the people that they were helping put in the office are now in a position to help them because they've moved up the power structure. But they don't. They only vote for presidents. And I'm like, come on. But, and see, that's the thing that feels kind of disheartening because in my lifetime, we have seen people like that just be absolutely crushed by the power structure because it, in larger terms, nobody wants things to change. Yep. Everybody in power does not want change because it benefits them. And I understand mm -hmm. that. I get it. If you have all this money, influence, and power, do you want to give it up? Mm -mm. Fucking no, you sure don't. But it feels hopeless when you watch people that could, you know, in, not enact change, but push the boulder a little. Mm -hmm. Well, see, I just be absolutely curb stomped. And I've always been of the mind that no matter how hopeless it is, if I refuse to try and give up, I deserve what I get. Yep. So I always vote if it, because I figure if enough people feel like me and say, fuck it, it may not matter, but fuck it. Let's put it in there. If enough people did that, somebody that wasn't a complete piece of shit might end up in office someday. And you know what happens when that happens? If they can catch a little power, they grab a couple more people that aren't complete pieces of shit. And then they have a committee. Holy shit. They may not have a lot of power. They got a little. You know, you, you know how you have one bad apple? Well, you know, you can do it the opposite way, too. You can get a, a couple of good ones, good people in there, you know? But yeah. it, if you give up, you fucking can't do it. Yeah. All right. I, I just wanted to get into that a little bit because it's something that's been kind of just weighing on my mind a little bit. Hmm. That Man, it feels real bad right now. Okay. It, it feels real, real bad. But if we take, uh, if we take the last, let's say, 10 years, okay? Uh, a lot the fuck has happened in the last four. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that would, that would kind of um, weigh it to seem worse. But that's as, worse, that's as bad as it has been since you've been alive. 
So it's hard if you haven't experienced the other one. This is the worst time for you subjectively. Yeah. So is it? Yes, for you. But objectively, no. I mean, I can get a job. I'm Jewish and Mexican. I can check into a hotel and stay wherever the fuck I want. (laughs) I can walk in the front goddamn door. I can buy shit at the store. Women can start bank accounts. It's madness. Right. I mean, they let me, they're going to let me start my own business. (laughs) They're going to make you an an official adult. Yes, I will become the man, TM. (laughs) Oh, wow. It works both ways. Uh I, I don't have a good segue for this, but whatever. Hey, everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My name is Chris Faff, and I am one of your hosts. And I am James Marino. I'm the other one of your hosts. Yeah, man, let's bring up the tempo, because that was uh, a, a bit much. So, so <coughs> let's just... talk about something real fun and happy, James. Oh, fuck me running. 2013's Borgman. Mm-hmm. Borgman. Uh, written and directed by Alex Van Varmerdam. Varmerdam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, starring Hedwich <coughs> Minnis as Marina, uh, Jerome Percival as Richard, and Jan Biove as the titular Borgman. Okay, first of all, don't, don't let anybody in Dutch country hear you mispronounce those names. They'll pull your card and make you move, man. Oh, I at no point was I ensuring accuracy with that. My God. I'm glad I didn't have to fuck with it because that was harsh, man. Yeah. A bunch of cracker ass <laughs> names if I ever heard them. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm but, glad you said that. But, James. Yes. You non cracker ass. That was semi cracker. Semi cracker, but full on <coughs> lovely, lovely man. T. How did you like Borgman? Well, first, let me state that when you first said Borgman, I thought I was going to watch, like, Psycho Gorman. I thought it was going to be a fucking laugh, riot, goofy, way over the top, fucking RoboCop 3 fucking crazy fest. Because, uh, director of Psycho Gorman and The Void, which we also covered, Mm -hmm. Stephen Kostansky. Yeah. Also made a film called Manborg. Okay. Previous to all of that. So I could see your confusion. <laughs> but what I got was this. Uh-huh. Which is not Borgman. Great. Or Manborg, I'm sorry. Oogly moogly. It is not <laughs> Manborg. No. Oh. It, it is Borgman, not Borgman. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, <clears throat> I told you I had a startling fact for you. I was quiet this entire movie. I do not believe you for a single moment. Not even a fuck me running, nothing. Even during the scary what the fuck just happened part, because it had drawn me in so deeply, and I was so ensconced in this movie, the tone of this movie, the feel of this movie, everything about this movie that... I felt like I was standing in the fucking room watching them do whatever the fuck they were doing and just gobsmacked. I have never been silent for an entire hour of my life, let alone a goddamn movie. I don't watch movies with people on purpose because I can't shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's harsh. Watching movies with you is rough. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, that's why. And, and, and I and, try. And you'll be the first to admit it, which is why I don't feel bad saying it. <laughs> and, and I try, goddammit, I try. 
I'm medicated. I can't do it. It's just because I'm too into it. I'm because I'm rarely because of the way I process it, unless I hyper focus like a motherfucker, I cannot process in the minute. Right. So if I'm watching a movie and I'm into it, I'm locked in 100 percent because I'm not guessing or anything. I'm locked 100 percent in and that's a rarity for me. But then I'm reacting. Oh, fuck. What? No, don't go in there. Motherfucker. No. It's, it's bad to watch a movie with me. Yeah. So you were quiet through this entire thing. I was fucking silent. So I guess then, how would you answer the question, how did you like Borgman? I experienced the fuck out of this movie. Dude. I'm still processing it. So... I have seen this. You can find this movie on almost any streaming service that you look through. You look through horror films, you will probably see this. It's one of those movies you see everywhere and flip right by. Yeah. I've seen it on there for years. Finally said, you know what? I'm going to watch that movie. And goddamn, am I kicking myself in the ass for not watching this sooner? We've been on a real string of pretty good movies. Mm Mm-hmm. This might be my favorite one thus far. Well, this one... This movie's really fucking good. This one wrestles with the Joko Anwars with me. And to me, the Joko Anwars, from what we've done, are the ones that stick out the most. So, if I'm comparing it to that, that is high fucking praise. So, how would you describe this film? Because it's kind of difficult. Stark, moody, and brutal. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I mean, just as a general synopsis, because there are two very different things happening in this film. If you just want to go point per point. Because this could just be the story of a crazed man who infiltrates these people's lives. It's very, if you're just reading it on the face, it's very much like, did you ever see Parasite? No, I did not. Uh, Parasite. I know of it. I know about it. Yep. I know the whole thing about it. I just have not seen Same it. Same dude that made Snowpiercer. Yeah. One movie of the year a few years back. First foreign language film to do so, I believe. Maybe mm-hmm. not. But first foreign language horror film, I believe, to do so. Mm-hmm. It's about a family who uh, infiltrates another family, right. effectively. And I got real strong Parasite vibes. Mm-hmm. But then there's the supernatural element laying right beneath the surface, Mm -hmm. which is both apparent and not. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that they melded that together is so fucking good. Well, you know, I did not think of it because I, again, I experienced this movie without knowing anything about it. And it drew me in so much that I became part of this movie while I was watching it. Um, It's... What was the point I was trying to make? God damn it. It was... So, mm. uh, uh, fuck your point. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent oh. here for a second, if you I don't, don't mind. I, I was going to say, just real quick, that it, I was so into it that it didn't strike me. This is a home invasion film. Sort of. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, objectively, it is. Yes. But I didn't think about it till just now, because it was so deft at what it did that I was just like, Okay, it is, it's three different things, really, but... So, I did a little research. I don't often do this, but I was so goddamn intrigued by this movie that I had to look at it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the best uh, source that I had found claims that Borgman is an Alp. Okay. 
Now, an alp is a Germanic creature. It is uh, derived from elf. Right. And it is believed to be like an early uh, folklore tale for sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. Now, the alp would also play, you know, devilish tricks on people. Mm -hmm. It's one of those. Mm -hmm. And every time that you see it in folklore tales, it is sitting on top of the uh, victim, we'll say. Mm Mm-hmm. Nude, weighing down on your chest, weighing you down in your decisions. Mm -hmm. Early explanation for sleep paralysis. Plus, you know, all the, uh, you know, it'll take souls, yada, 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 yada. Well, I don't believe that's part of it. But here's the thing. It doesn't follow uh, folklore, traditional folklore to a T. No, but it, it really does one. But I'll get I'll get back to that. And I'll let you make your point. Yeah. So the elk can shapeshift. Mm-hmm. In, in traditional folklore, they keep that. The elk sits on top of its victim, you know, mm-hmm. weighing it down. They show that. The elk, elk will trick people into doing things. They show that. But in traditional folklore, the elk wears a hat. That is not present here. Mm-hmm. In traditional folklore, the elk doesn't like collect people or souls. Right. That's added here. Mm-hmm. I think those are two very, very smart filmmaking decisions. Because when tackling something about traditional folklore, we give a lot of other movies a lot of license. Mm-hmm. But you can't stray too far. Right? Right. So in vampire lore, you know, like, you can have little deviations here and there. Like, okay, well, we need him to be able to cross a river, so we'll just disregard that. And that's what I appreciate is not following folklore slavishly mm-hmm. because if you to put a little hat on him mm-hmm. and the hat stays on throughout, you know, shape shifting and even into dog form, yada, 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 <laughs> a wishbone, it, it would have been one of those things like, man, you should have not done that because it looks silly. Mm-hmm. So again, that very smart filmmaking, like, okay, we're still making a horror film about this thing. We can't have it look goofy. Right. And now, we need it to like, you know. The uh, well, it like kind of collecting people. Mm-hmm. Alps don't really do that, but we kind of need it to for this story. <laughs> well, and also if we take a look into like Anglo-Saxon mythology, which a lot of this stems from, you know, that area. Um, you talked about the elves, etc. Um, the, the actual folklore, you, you know, people think, uh, you know, hobbits and and elves and you know happy things and you know Tinkerbell and shit. But if you really delve into the nuts and bolts of, like, the idea of Fae, it's fucking harsh, man. They've got, like, Kelpies and water spirits that drown you and, you know, Fae that steal babies and cause chaos in the home. Never accept a gift. Never let them in your home. A lot of the things that you would know from that, if you were steeped in that kind of knowledge. And and what I enjoyed about this movie, again, is... Everything that was supernatural was not shown in a supernatural light, if you know what I'm saying. Like, yes. So you, when when he's sitting, you see him actually stand, you know, squatting on her chest, butt ass naked. You see, you know, when that happens. But there'll be, and I like the way that they showed to the mind control because it's never <coughs> outright said. But like in the beginning. After they were chased, you know, they were chased out of here. Now, at the very beginning of the movie, we see, you know, a guy sharpening a spear. So I'm thinking, oh, fucking werewolf movie. 
which I continued to think when I saw the dogs because I saw the big iron thing. And then these guys are just fucking hauling. And I'm like, well, no, wait, maybe because then he introduced, I'm just a traveler looking. And I'm like, oh, fucking, you know, the Romani. They're the, you know, I, I knew some Irish travelers and some Romani out in the Midwest. You know, and I'm like, well, they get fucking put out of every place. So I'm not knowing what's going to happen. I've got that little bit of sympathetic, oh, fuck, they're all after them. Not putting anything together because I have nothing to base it on. You know? So here's what I wanted to talk about, too, as far as like yeah. really, really good filmmaking. And it's j complete visual language at the beginning. Because, like you said, we see a man sharpening a spear. They go get another guy with an axe and the priest. Mm -hmm. And we can kind of tell from the people around the priest that it is present day. Mm -hmm. They're going out there with ancient medieval weapons. So we're in, he, they're implanting the idea of some ancient or older force as they've built these, you know, old timey things just under the brush in the woods. And at no time did they tell you who these people were. No. Why the one people were running, why these people knew those people were there and chasing after them. And they were never readdressed. Yep. Because again, in folklore, an alp can be defeated by people who are not under its control. Mm -hmm. So it's them chasing this spirit away. And again, just the, implanting uh, that it's a modern day, but they're using these old techniques because they're getting rid of something old. It's that visual language that implants that in your brain. And it's so brilliant right from the beginning. Absolutely. And my, my favorite, my favorite thing or is becoming when you show the supernatural without showing it where you, it's always implied, but it always looks like the people doing it and it's not the demon voices. And it, it just still gets to you. And I think it gets to me deeper because, you know, I love it when the, when the right or whatever it is to make whatever happen is ugly and brutal. Cause you always see the, you know, we talked about it before the elegance with the, this chain and the thing and the, Nah, the, the, the big old sharpened onyx stone and the blood and the, uh -huh. you know, and the brutality of it, <clears throat> you know, to act, but you don't actually see a form pick up the thing or, you know, some, some, you know, giant fang dog coming out. No, you just see somebody brutally fuck somebody up. Mm hmm. And what I really love is transplanting old folklore, mm -hmm. but accurately aging it for the modern day yes. to where it's not this ancient evil that uses old tomes and whatever else. It's a cell phone. Yeah. He has a phone. And I love it. It's this modernization of these old, old things that it still has all its same properties. It still has all of its same magic, mm -hmm. but it, it didn't, you know, it's not still living in, 1200 AD, you know, right? It, it adapted to survive and it was beautifully portrayed at no time. Did anything not seem plausible? Exactly. Especially my favorite part of it. Like, well, you know, it, earlier you couldn't know if it was mind control or what, but you know, when he was standing at the door saying, well, I know Marina, she was my nurse at the hospital. Yeah. Maria. He <laughs> says her name wrong. Yeah. And then he keeps talking, and then the guy starts bristling a little bit. The guy starts puffing up a little bit. It's like, yeah, often she would lay in bed with me. Yeah. <laughs> and he just, I said, I'm pegging your wife. So the guy kicks his ass, but there's a difference between kicking your ass 
and what that guy did. Yeah. Once, the, I mean, even if the if the guys insult my wife and I, I pop him a couple, pop him down, I might give him one good kick just so he doesn't get up too quick. I want to gauge, you know, if I have to throw some more. But he kept kicking, and then he ran back, pushed yeah. his wife out of the way, grabbed a stick, started fucking wailing on him with yeah, that he stick. He beats the shit out of him. And my God, it looked real. It looked real as hell because you know I've seen people get beat, and that's what it looks like. And I was just like, God damn. Mm-hmm. And then I, a little bit later, because everything seemed to be happening very quickly, emotionally, everything. And that's when it was implied that, you know, he's pushing those situations, pushing. He's, I'm going to make him mad, but I'm going to make him so mad. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Borgman and a few of his accomplices are chased out of the forest mm-hmm. by these villagers that, like you said, are never again addressed. And he comes upon this house where the husband beats the living Christ out of him. The wife feels bad and lets him inside, gives him a bath, gives him a meal. And then all of a sudden is super duper attached to him. Yeah, like boom. And letting him stay in their guest house out back. Mm -hmm. And, excuse me, we should know these are people of substantial wealth. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's also that subplot going on of the wife kind of like almost now rejecting this lifestyle that they have, but also trying to keep up with it Mm -hmm. because she's living lavishly, but also kind of in her own personal hell. And this is where you have like two very, you know, we, we talked about the folkloric aspect, the, um, the religious aspect is there, but it seems more like a, you know, like a, a tree to hold everything else up. It's just there because we all know it. It's not. They talk about it. It's referenced throughout. <clears throat> you know, they tear up the garden to ruin the household of the man and the woman and the children. Yep. So that's a garden, obviously a Garden of Eden reference, you know. And so it, it's peppered in there, but it's not really intrinsic to the story. As much as it is the, uh, for me, I see the, I saw the, uh, the class, the class struggle more in that than the religious aspect. And then the supernatural with the, um, with the, you know, the Alps, I, I, I thought of it as the fairy, whatever, but yeah, Alps, absolutely. So I saw those two more than the religious aspect. And that's why I was wondering if that was an indication when he's walking down the road and, you know, knocks on a door and asks one woman, can I take a bath here? And she closes the door right in his face. Mm -hmm. And he sees Marina in the window. And being a supernatural entity, can he detect discontent? Because that's usually how a a demon, will say, enters your life. Is Mm -hmm. there some sort of distressing thing happening in your life which breaks down your uh, defenses toward, I guess, for lack of a better term, possession? Well, see, I saw it a different way because what's the first thing you saw when they were watching television? They zoomed in on the TV while they were, all the family was sitting in the living room. They were watching a jungle cat in the back, watching its prey, waiting, grabbing one. And then when the one was distracted, the other one came and got the other, you know? So... They pre did the entire movie with this just little thing. Yeah. So it, it was it was that it was like when you saw um, the guy. What's his name? Camiel, Damiel. Oh, Camille. Camille. Yeah. Camille Borgman. Yeah, Camille. Right. When you see him, it, it's like he's a jungle cat. So he's you know he's checking the mice. This mouse? No, this mouse too strong. Hmm. Oh, there's a house mouse. 
this might be the one. Let's go, let's go, let's go check that one out. And then you wait and wait and wait and wait, wait, pounce. And the waiting, this movie was quiet. There was no music. Oh, but not even diagenic music. But the tension, uh, a few no, times. The one time when they did that show, which was so surreal. And when, uh, at the end, when they're just in the house and he puts on the jazz record. Oh, that's right. That's right. But that, that's the only two instances of music. But now that I think about it, wasn't that like when they were doing the show where they sat the family down? I'm like, that is sinister as fuck. And as soon as we should, we should rewind because that is such a shock when you see one of the characters that you knew, <laughs> that the woman knew. Uh-huh. You're like... And she's not reacting the way you think she's react. Should react. You're like, holy shit. Okay, sorry. This movie so is. She uh, uh, lets Borgman in mm-hmm. and lets him stay in the guest house out back, and she finds him just in the house several times. Yep. Walking around, talking to the children. And then we get the instances with the dogs. Mm-hmm. She find er, the mother finds Borgman in the children's room telling them a story. <laughs> And these two just dirty, nasty ass dogs run in. Mm-hmm. Giant hose goats, dude. And, and this is while he still has the long hair and the beard. Mm-hmm. So those dogs also kind of look like shit. Yep. Past this is when she, uh, the mind control kicks in, and she wants him to stay. <coughs> so they're trying to figure a way for him to stay there. Mm-hmm. Gardener. Yep. Oh, that this is where it setup. starts to get sinister as shit. And this is where this movie really picks up. Well, and this is also something where I'm still not reading the supernatural supernatural yet. Cause that, that came to me later in the movie. Right. But, um, having a small knowledge of short cons, I was like, Oh, that is fucking beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. Cause you know, the Mark, you know, enough about them that you can set this up. You know the guy's a, a little righty. Yeah. You know, you see, don't like on Because we'll, we'll get back to that, but when the, his first initial reaction when he saw Camille was just like, the fuck, you get out of my front door. Who are you? Uh-huh. You know? So it, they set him up so beautifully. Yep. Was, so they uh, decide that Camille just has this poison on him. Mm-hmm. So he blow darts the gardener in the neck. They drive him home to his wife. And <sighs> Borgman calls a doctor. Mm-hmm. Which is just another one of his thralls. Mm-hmm. And her daughter. Presumably both of the... Presumably they're related. Yeah. Who knows? They could just be saying that they're mother-daughter. Doesn't matter. They, they show up and just murder the living shit out of this... Do- Gardner and his wife. Fucking Markham, man, right there. And the brilliant way that they get rid of these fucking bodies to draw a bucket of cement and lay these people's heads in this bucket of cement to dry Mm -hmm. and then just plop them in the river. And I love the way that, because I didn't think about it, right? You know, you hear about cement, you know, the cement shoes and whatnot. Um, You don't really think about you don't really think about uh, the actual application, right? So they just get these little toy buckets that are just a little bit bigger than the head, right? Yep. And I'm like, what are they doing? 
the fucking bucket and I said, is that oatmeal? Yeah, because they put the buckets on the floor and just drag the bodies to the end of the bed and set yeah. the heads just meekly in the buckets. And I'm just like, that's brilliant. Yeah, I thought you... they were going to cut their throats and drain them out. Right. But then they cantilevered the bodies so that the heads could stay there and get frozen in. They'd never had to hold the body. They didn't have to put it at awkward angles. They just fucking did it. And I'm like, that's how you would do it. Yeah. And in fact, point of <coughs> order, they're just sitting chilling yeah. out in these people's living room waiting for this fucking concrete to dry. Mm-hmm. Making dinner, hanging out. Yeah. Doing whatnot. It's brilliant. It's so, and it's fucking unnerving because none of them show emotion. Right. But this movie whatsoever. But here's the deal. None of them show emotion. Yet they're still acting because you see the meekness. His body, his, his face never shows any emotion, but his body language shows meekness and, and deferment earlier. And then as he steps up and cleans up and, you know, he just gets more upright and more power he, growing. Right. But the power was always there from the very beginning because I went back and watched the first 20 minutes of it again because I needed to re-experience it so I could talk about it. And then I'm like, oh, the menace was always there. It was literally just how he stood, just how he had his hands, just how he kind of pulled his coat out a little bit and stooped. And it was all implied, but the face never changed. Mm -hmm. And the engagement was always distant and cruel to everyone at all times. And his two henchmen are the best. Yeah, I love those two guys yeah. because you can see on their faces that they may be controlled mm -hmm. in their bodies, but they don't really like what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Again, flat affect, no emotion, unless you consider urgency in emotion. Right. Because they are on top of shit, lickety split all the time. They're like the men in black. Exactly. <laughs> Seriously, and all of them. And it was... Yet they're still showing because you could see amusement, but nothing on their face. You knew that they were implying that they were happy. You felt like they were feeling something, but at no time did they show it, show it. And it was confusing to me because I have a tough time reading shit anyway. But with the flat affect, it was really easy for me to see those little subtle shifts. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. So at this point, Borgman starts being... Uh the gardener who lives on site because he makes up that, you know, we're going to have to do this and do this and do this. Mm -hmm. uh, it can take this long unless I have a place to live here. Mm -hmm. And then I can do this garden. These incredibly wealthy people, whatever we got this house out or the wife suggests right. we have the guest house out back. He could stay there, have his own place and then redo this entire garden. And this is how beautiful this movie is because when he came to the door, all cleaned up, I didn't fucking recognize him. And then, like, you watch, in real time, I watched recognition on the wife's face and still not recognition on the man's face. Yep. And I'm just like, oh, snap. Oh, snap. That's that, oh, mother, oh, goddamn. Yep. So this is when he starts to really prey on the family mm -hmm. because this is when they start to deteriorate, when we start getting him sitting on her chest. Yep. At night, and she's having these dreams oh. of her husband radically abusing her. Mm -hmm. And which is funny because they never show us that in without it being like a dream sequence. Right. All of his actual brutality toward her, mm -hmm. physical brutality toward her, is in dream sequences, except for one. 
toward the end. But we we don't know if any of this has happened before because he clearly has a hair trigger. Mm-hmm. And this is a man who, how do I want to say this eloquently, was, I, I believe, we've all met dudes like this. It goes across cultural lines mm-hmm. that he was, I, from what I see, raised as, no, the man is the man of the household. Right. What he says goes. Yeah. What he does is the law. Yeah. So when she's interviewing Gardner, she says, no, you take the day off. I will take care of this. I will do this. Yeah. No consideration. Not, you're out. I'm in now. Now, the thing that's is, how it's going to be. This movie was careful not to show too much of their relationship prior to meeting Camille. Exactly. Had we, we didn't have, we don't know. He could have just been kind of a tight ass. Right. And just kind of a pain in the ass, but a loving dad and, and a loving th- husband. We don't know. And, but that's what they also show, too, is that he is this, not like, he's not an authoritarian. He loves his wife and his kids, but he is, you know, what I say goes. When he has that bad day and they're having a dinner, all those people over for dinner, he announces, there will be no alcohol at this dinner. I've had a bad day and I don't want you getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. So what I say goes. But again, this was after he met Camille. Yes. We don't know how he was before. So I'm thinking it was the, to me, in my head canon at least, uh, it was, he took whatever tiny bit of, you know, iffy whatever in Richard, I think his name was. Yes. Dick. Ha ha. But um, I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if it translates, but it's funny to me. It is funny. Um, but getting back to it, they could have just he could have just been kind of a dick, right? But I, I think but, the one instance of that that they show is right after they meet Camille when he shuts the door. Yeah. in his face. But that's a home. You're, there's a guy asking you. Guy knocks on your door right now, or even in the afternoon. Hey, buddy, I'm kind of sweaty and I don't feel good. Can I can I come in and take a bath? <laughs> fuck out of here yeah that's a natural reaction that's not but but his reaction toward her when you know she says i don't know this man and i've never been a nurse mm-hmm. whatsoever and he's still suspicious flies off the handle right. so that's just a little glimpse i think into that but yes but that's it a, does get... a natural reaction which i think now that i've seen the whole movie and watched the first 20 minutes again i'm like it, it's not that he was initially a bad person or that she was, they were dissatisfied, which drew him. It was like that smell of blood in the water, right? Exactly. And they came in and they intensified whatever it was that was negative, intensified it in his head and then re-intensified it in her head while she slept mm-hmm. and intensified it. You know, it was amazing. And they walk a real fine line because he is kind of a jackass, yeah, but certainly doesn't deserve to die. Mm-hmm whatsoever and that's such a brilliant line to walk and and thinking about all of the sacrifices that um, marina made they still murked her yep and we haven't even talked about the nanny no we have not stina yes my god uh, or and the reason i rarely mention the children is because during the entire movie except for <laughs> when uh that that little girl took the paving stone and and murked that dude those children had never been because we. It, it's shown that they're distant to their own children, so the children are already not shown much. Yes. Okay. So you get they're talking a little bit amongst themselves, but they're quietly reading or walking or doing. And then once they became thralls, they were completely no effect, but they were still part of the movie, but weren't. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was, they were like set and part to draw you into the story. And it, that, that was another beautiful thing because I think if you would have characterized them too much, it would have drawn away from what we were focusing on. Exactly. It didn't need anything else because everything else was so deep with so little. No, it's, it's just showing him effectively collecting possessions. Yes. And yeah. I love it because he keeps taking more and more. And this is why I said it was a, a, you know, a, a talk about class because, you know, the, the bourgeoisie got these big house of mansions and everything. And they'll, they'll let the little guy in a little bit. And then they take more. And then they take more. And then they bring their friends over. And then they take more. At no time do I feel like they were weighing on either side. They're showing all of it and letting you decide what you feel about it. Uh huh. And again, I love when a movie does that well. Yes. Because <laughs> this, this could have been absolutely butchered in the wrong hands. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, I've never seen another movie like this movie. Granted, I haven't seen Parasite. Yeah, it's it's got very strong parasite. I wonder vibes. how close together they were. Uh, this was 2013. Parasite was, I believe, 2018 or 19. Okay, but but think about it. If I would have seen it when it came out, mm-hmm. absolutely nothing like it in tone, in style. It's it's a. I was thinking about it. It's a real parasite, kind of like meets Omen. E. Yeah. Yeah. Vibe. It does. It does have a lot of that in. It, it was deftly crafted. It was absolutely beautifully put together. Um, the lighting was, it was like natural, natural lighting. Yeah. You know, not like, you know how like they film something to look like natural lighting to be cinematic? Mm-mm. It was natural lighting that happened to look cinematic. Mm-hmm. And guys <laughs> probably had light meters for months. Out there checking every day. Okay, well, okay. We'll film these five days, you know? Yeah. Because the light was always perfect outside. And the interiors, the way they were lit, again, it looked absolutely like I was in that room. Yes. And what I love that they kept, too, is that uh, traditionally in folklore, Alps are completely Mm non-sexual. And that is absolutely the case. And uh, very, very much stated not even in subtext, mm-hmm. in text, mm-hmm. where they are repeatedly uh, desired, mm-hmm. uh, Borgman and his uh, few thralls, and routinely are rejecting these women. Telling absolutely. Them, nope, nope, absolutely not. And, and even on the point where you think, okay, this is the point where, oh, crap, you know, this is the scene. I don't need this scene. When it tells her to, okay, lay on your tummy. Yeah. And I completely expected... Not what happened. No, he just leaves. Yeah. I'm like, but. Yeah, there's the part where, like, I forget the, the one henchman, the younger henchman, mm-hmm. when he's just laying in bed and Stina walks in and is trying to uh, yeah. join him. Yeah. And he very irritatedly is just like, no, I'm going to bed. Thank you. And yeah. just turns the light off and rolls over. And I just, just stand in there blinking like, um, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh. One of the other uh, just shots that I loved is, I believe it's Marina. The wife is walking toward the guest house, and it's Borgman and the other two henchmen, all three just laying in a bed watching TV, mm-hmm. still dressed in their suits and everything. They're just laying right on top of the covers. Yep. And it's one of those things that, like, 
I don't think you would see that in American movies because American men are too uh, yeah. weird about that kind of shit mm-hmm. for the most part. But if you've ever, like, I'm sure you've been on the road with somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One room, hotel room. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, nobody's sleeping on the couch. Just sleep in the fucking bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just the three of these dudes laying in bed yeah. in suits, yeah. irritated that she's bothering them for the, <laughs> interrupting their television show. This is the part where the thing happens. Get back in. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> and that's what I was talking about is that it draws such a fucking good fine line between is this supernatural or is this some weird fucking cult? Right. But, you know, if you, the more I watch it, the, the timelines, everything else doesn't add up to just cult. No. There's no prolong this, prolong that. It's like, Bip, 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 and nothing is explained. What is that surgery? What the fuck did they do? And it's, like I said, it's so fucking good because when, uh, is it, they are having, oh, uh, they need to get the kids to school. Yeah. And Marina's like, no, I'm not taking, or there are, or it's Stina's day off. Yeah. You need to take them to school. And there's a big fucking argument. And we see Richard leave. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we see the two uh, henchmen loading the kids into a car. Yep. Driving them to what looks like just a weird abandoned well. Yeah, like off a beach. Like and a making big old them cistern. drink from this strange bottle that they have. Yeah, it looks like orange aid. Yeah. And, and then, then the children return from school absolutely different mm-hmm. and are that way for the rest of the film. And you see the guy roll out the, the scalpels. Mm-hmm. And the, I'm just like, oh, Fuck me running. And what I love about this movie, except for like the dream sequences where he took the uh, box cutter and ripped her leg. Oh. They didn't show the surgery. No. Because then we would have had an idea what the fuck they did and why they did it. And again, it's the difference between uh, the cultural differences in storytelling. Mm -hmm. Because in an American film... I feel like everything would have been laid out. They would have found some weird book and discovered that he's an elf and figured out how to fight him. Yeah. And it would have been a big action sequence at the end. And the, the, the incisions boring. were made so that they could eat the organs of the thing to assume they're blah. Or and, to <clears throat> implant something into them so that they are now under this control. Blah, 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 blah. No. Yeah. They explained nothing. Except for what they showed you. Yep. And... It's all up to interpretation. It's all up to what, what we could think of or what knowledge we have of it. But even if you didn't know anything about that, if you knew nothing of the supernatural, nothing. I knew, I knew nothing about the existence or characteristics of an Alp before I, this film. I have heard those stories applied to other ones. But when you game as long as I have, they mix up. They take real stuff and mix it in with stuff they made up. Well, and again, the, they do that in this film, yeah. and I think it was really, really smart to do so. Mm-hmm. It, well, to it, deviate from folklore, because none of that shit's sacred to me. Well, it, 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 tickled, it tickled my gaming, you know. It tickled my big gold geek spot. And what it's done, too, is um, I'm still working on that adventure that I talked to you about, because you have agreed to game with me, and I will hold you to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's helping me have a more of a visual palette to explain to you. Like, you know, you see the stones, you know, you'll see like the, the stones. So when I describe something from the game, I'm going to describe it like the movie dips it into a black substance. You know, you see it from afar. 
you kind of know some funky shit's going on because you've seen the movies and that's part of you know how i'm going to set your character into the world but you know but this this giving me beautiful ideas on how to do that and the the starkness of this movie down to the house i have no i mean i've i guess i've seen kind of in magazines drawings of houses like that when i was taking drafting and all that autocad but to actually see a house in that like brutalist style mm-hmm. just weird angles and bricks and very utilitarian and just uggums yes you know, that house was ugly, but expensive. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to watch him rip that yard up, just rip it up. Just because they said we're going to do the, the original gardener was had a couple rows and it was artfully laid out. <laughs> and then they come in, they start doing a little bit, a little bit more. And then they have the guys move into the house mm-hmm. with them. And then they bring in a fucking crane. A bucket crane and start digging, digging trenches. Yep, huge, just chunks out of this yard. Oh my god, damn! I wonder how much that cost. <laughs> so we are running a little long in the tooth, but just to wrap it up, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Borg or uh, Marina convinces Borgman to kill her husband. Yes, which she he does. Yeah, without question. Mm-hmm. And so we can be together. Yes. Uh-uh. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, and she thinks that's going to be the case. He absolutely rebuffs her. Mm-hmm. Goes out and dances with the uh, the the murder woman. We didn't even mention. Had to go. We're gonna go take to the doctor. We got to see the doctor. Okay. Well, who's your doctor? Doctor Bumgardner. Okay, we'll go get your doctor. They go to Doctor Bumgardner's office, and are you Doctor Bumgardner? Yeah. Pulls out a gun, just pops him right between the eyes. Boom. Yep. Yanks the body right out of the office, goes to the house as Dr. Baumgartner, because they don't know who the fuck they are. No. So this lady comes in. Yes, some, this, oh, it's, it's because, you know, it's spring break and they're extra stressed. Are, is, is, it, is it maybe something you did? Is anything <laughs> happening in your house? And, oh, oh, no, 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 no. No, we're no, not no. like that. Yeah, no, we are not those kind of people. <laughs> you fucking are. Mm-hmm. And what I absolutely <coughs> love is. When Marina says, well, Richard's body is still laying out there. Mm-hmm. Borgman's just like, yeah, it sure is. Yeah. She's like, well, shouldn't we uh, dispose of it? And I love his question. It's just like, well, why? Well, what does that matter? Yeah. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I bet you Marina's scratching <clears throat> her head. What do you mean, why? And that's what I love when he starts dancing with his murder thrall. Mm-hmm. You see her heart just absolutely drop. Mm-hmm. The thing is, what you're seeing is a precise dance step between two people who know how to dance, that know each other, and that's it. Mm-hmm. See, we know these steps. Check it out. There's no emotion, passion, anything, because they were, and they were, before you can see, they weren't emoting, but showing something, right? In that moment, there was zero anything, just movement. But Marina's heart still sank as if they were, you know, making out right there. Yes. And that's, I think, when she realizes all of this was for nothing, mm-hmm. for absolutely nothing. Because Borgman, in the end, and it's the only time that we see him even act somewhat romantically, mm-hmm. is to, again, the trickster in him, to trick her while she's dying. Mm-hmm. And the way he administers it's poison. fucking devastating. It's amazing. And 
I, I, the whole thing, and we forgot even the subplot of the fact that the Dick worked for the um, Stina's boyfriend's, boyfriend's dad, dad. Yes. and and they set it up so that they would fight, and fight they did. Indeed. Hmm. Oh. This that movie. kid's corpse got left at a bus station. Indeed, it did. <laughs> the whole fucking movie. I mean, we can. I could. There's so little and so much. Again, that's a beautiful movie. I could, We could do two podcasts on this motherfucker. Yep, and it ends definitively with them hucking the two bodies of the parents into mm-hmm. the little pond that they made, filling it back in, and leading Stina and the children past the shack. Mm-hmm. Where they were living, back into the original woods yep. from which Borgman came. <sighs> it was I couldn't end it any other way, buddy. And that's what I love is that that's one of those things where, if if that were to happen, mm-hmm. that's an entire family just disappeared. Yeah. And there are unexplained cases of people who live out wherever, and just all of a sudden nobody's there. Yeah, this or, family just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, they're gone. Parents are dead. Nobody knows anything, has seen anything. It, just look at this. Boom. Done. Mm-hmm. Especially because nobody's going to look for their bodies in their own backyard. No, especially, you know. Yeah, they had a gardener. They were in the middle of doing... I mean, they might, but... I am assuming that in that area, they actually got the permits to do it. Because if anybody in their neighbors saw yes. a big old dump loader in there and it wasn't a proper permit, there would be uh, 700 people going... Excuse me, there is well, no permit. We're, we're also putting uh, American judgment on that. I don't know if <clears throat> homeowners associations exist oh, in the Netherlands. No, I'm going to guarantee you. If the Dutch are anything like the year, they're uh, people who moved out here. Oh, it better be 100% correct and it better be in triplicate and we better have it uh, marked six ways from Sunday and it you are definitely sure going to make sure the permit is good. And, you know, it's, it's like that out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I worked with, I don't know if the, I don't know the difference really. I, I apologize to all of our listener <laughs> if I fuck up the Dutch and the Danish and this and that, but I worked with the Danish when I was doing uh, wind turbines. And uh, besides being the most drunk people I've ever seen in my life <laughs> working. Jesus. <laughs> in kilts. Hot. 600 feet just walking with no harness. I'm like, fuck me running. These guys are crazy. Um, But they are, except for the fact that they defy, they were defying death just by existing. Um, Everything. They marked down 700 ways from Sunday. They'd have, uh, just to walk onto the turbine, you'd have a book, you know, half inch thick that they're filling out directly. Every time they do one thing, they check the other box. And I'm pretty sure there, that there was a permit there. Not that you really absolutely had to go there, but... <laughs> now that we've gotten into the inner workings of zoning in, in Holland. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, James. No problem. So long story short, would you recommend Borgman? I would recommend a fuck out of this movie. This movie's really good, and I feel like such an asshole for seeing it for years. And never turning it on. Well, I'm actually thankful that you didn't because had you watched it before and we might have had to uh, review this movie way too early for me to objectively say anything decent about this movie. Otherwise, I would have been like, we had to watch the 
walk around for 10 minutes. What the fuck kind of movie are you watching? There's no real gore. Oh, it's it's a slow burn, buddy. Right. It's good, though. But there's slow. I, I'm getting used to slow burns, but there are slow burns that I deal with because I know it's going to get cray-cray at the end. But now I've realized <laughs> that there's slow burns where you have the characterizations, the deep everything, and I'm like, oh, God damn it. I'm becoming that guy. Fuck. Yep. Plus, you get to see a wicked musical number with two men with uh, suit coats on top and tutus and leotards on bottom. And it's shocking again because what this is right after we see that woman as the doctor, right? We, we know that Marina knows who the fuck that is. Yep. So I'm watching and the whole family's just sitting there just, what the fuck, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm basically going what the fuck everybody else is just sitting there goggling. Well, the three children and Stina are yeah. uh, stoned as a motherfucker. Yes. Yeah, they are high as an elephant bow tie. Not giraffes, but either way. Yeah. Sure, man. I'm not going to argue semantics. But, but then Dr. Bumgardner, who you just saw two scenes ago, comes out in a black tutu dancing around. I'm like, with Ivanka, I'm like, holy fuck, what's going on here? Jesus. It's, it's very good. It's amazing. Oh. Amazing. But speaking of very good, James, where can people find us? They can find us at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. They can find us on... That was Disco Pistols. In sure was. <laughs> they can also find us on Facebook. Um, we are also where all good podcasts can be found. We like the stars and the uh, reviews so that we can get on the algorithm. I like how you refused to look at me through the end of that. Yeah, because I would not have been able Absolutely to talk. Absolutely had to close your eyes to squeak that out. And I didn't week just... Week after week, we do this, James. Mm-hmm. But had I been continuing to look at you, I would not... <laughs> Fuck you and neck. All right. Well, I think that's good enough. Push the button. Bye, everyone. Push the fucking. Don't you fucking tell me what to do. The goddamn human garbage. Go fuck yourself. Bye, everyone. Bye.